0: This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM, 103.1 FM, WMET, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week.
1: This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review with us today on Catholic Review Radio is Sherita Thomas, Interim Director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministry for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. In addition to being the Interim Director for the office, she is also Global Associate Engagement Manager at T. Rowe Price, where her experience includes key roles with the T. Rowe Price Foundation, Diversity and Inclusion, and Global Client and Investment Departments. Thomas grew up in St. Edward Parish, now worships at New All Saints in Liberty Heights, and recently served as president of the Homeschool Association at St. Agnes School in Catonsville. Welcome to the show, Sherita.
2: Thank you, Chris. So nice to talk to you.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about what the Archdiocese is trying to do to fight systemic racism?
2: Absolutely. First and foremost, we are really praying for the wisdom, courage, and resolve needed to meet this challenge. Over a year ago, the Archdiocese of Baltimore created a racism work group, and that work group was established by Archbishop Laurie to assist him in implementing his pastoral message on racial justice, the journey to racial justice, repentance, healing, and action. The work group focus is to identify racism and inequity and to develop concrete steps that we will take to address racial injustice and ensure equity in our church. When Archbishop Lori did that, he declared racial injustice a top priority. And we launched this initiative to support the work and acknowledge that our black Catholics and those outside of the church are impacted by inequality. As you know, with the recent death and tragic death of George Floyd, at work has taken on an increased sense of urgency. And we stand in solidarity with all of those throughout the world who are outraged by this disregard for life that we all witnessed. The racism work group represents the broader church. We have clergy, lay members, staff of the Archdiocese and Catholic charities involved. And we have been meeting since June as we relaunched our efforts to look towards recommending actions that we can take within our archdiocese with our Catholic values as the core of what we do. We are in the middle at in this month in September of focused on education. So we came back together as a group, really focused towards making recommendation by the end of this year And over the next month, our focus is on education. We believe it is critical for us to understand the history, the sin of racism, how it manifests itself, and how it hides in plain sight within policies and practices that may deny access and discriminate against people of color.
1: You're having uh, listening sessions around the archdiocese. What are you hearing there? Are you hearing certainly stories of pain, certainly stories of, of inequity and injustice? but are you also hearing stories of hope?
2: Absolutely. As we all know, it is essential to listen. And I always like to say, my grandmother used to say to me, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So a lot of times it is critical that we listen to others and listening to our faith community is essential. So we had started the listening sessions last year and we have all of the information that the participants shared during that time and then over the summer, we had individual one on one listening sessions with myself and some consultants helped me. And what we heard was that the Archdiocese, some of the challenges is that our norm is perceived in three ways silence, secrecy, and slowness. We are not transparent on the work, it takes us really long to act. And at some times, we're just secret, and people are not sure what we're doing how we're going to do something, and where we stand. We also heard from parishioners that they want to hear more from their pastors. They want them to speak on this issue. Many talked about their pastors um, not saying anything, and they were heartbroken, and they wanted to talk about it. Others talked about a time during the civil rights movement when they felt that a lot of Catholic priests was on the front lines of protesting and fighting for injustice, and they want to see that same thing people are also interested in us making progress. And then I will say before you go that there's a lack of understanding of systemic racism. But I also heard that we need to engage more white Catholics in this. Um, And white Catholics also let me know that they want to be involved and they want to make sure that we are representative of the universal church and that um, too much burden at time is put on black people to solve the problem that we all must work together. To
1: that point, you talked about the pastors, want, people wanting their pastors to say more, and you want, you'd want you like white Catholics to step up. What kinds of things can you do, can your office do to help educate people about that, about what some of the things, what, what are the issues are, and how to help resolve them?
2: Yes. So there are two ways. So anyone that wants to get involved is welcome to get involved. They can reach out to me. Um, through the Office of Black Catholics, we're actually um, breaking up the work group into several committees. So if anyone is interested after this, please reach out. We are um, spending the month of August forming a lot of committees. Um, my office is really working on, I did a recent organizational assessment of the office. And we are seeking to help guide the archdiocese to create ways to support the church from a pastoral, social and cultural perspective or issues rating to black Catholics. So we will be having a keep on teaching workshop in about two weeks, uh, September the 12th, maybe a little longer than two weeks, days are all running together. And that is really about evangelization, but it's looking at our um, catechesis with an African lens. So I think learning in my office will be providing education and information to assist teachers from an education perspective is work we're looking at. And then also to help um, the pastors Um, over the next couple of months. We're focused on developing an action plan to deliver those priorities to foster that rich diversity and really are looking to promote equality through education. As I mentioned, social justice and pastoral ministries within the church and a broader community.
1: Maryland's bishops, Sherita, uh, they issued a pastoral letter in June that talked about the church's somewhat troubled history about with race relations. Uh, the archbishop in his pastoral letters has reflected on the fact that his, some of his predecessors as archbishop held enslaved persons. They talked about race relations and they, addressing that, the need for prayer, dialogue, and action to combat racism. What do we hope to accomplish with that?
2: I did want to say because I think a lot of people are not aware of the history and rightfully so, as you know, the church has really grappled with the issue of racism for a very long time. And I like to do research and learn. And I um, recently came across in 1958, the United States Catholic Bishop spoke out against the blatant forms of racism that divided the people through laws and how segregation was employed, um, enforced. And they pointed to this moral evil and denied the humanity of Black people. And then a decade later, the Catholic Church underscored um, the continual scandal of racism and calling for action to eradicate it from our society. And then in 1968, we acknowledged it as a racism, as an evil um, at that time. But despite those advances, as you know, we're still struggling um, with that. So what we hope to do when you mention addressing the need for prayer, dialogue, and action, we started some of that work, we have to listen. We have to question things and look at those gatekeepers and practices that we are seeing that do not provide inclusion. We also have to learn, and then we have to engage constructively together so that we can address Opportunities and a path forward. And that could be done through allyship, working together, advocacy, advocating for those injustice and activism, you know, outside of the church and within the church. So, those are some of the things that we hope to accomplish. We really want to address um, the systemic racism, policies, and practices within a church that are not aligned with our values. And then we also want to support those that are. Um, that may need to be converted, right, and have that conversion within their heart um, in recognizing the moral issue of sin.
1: Is the church working with other faith denominations to address some of these racial concerns?
2: Absolutely. So um, Bishop Manning, who I work directly with on a daily basis, is a member of the Racism Work Group, and he is a part of various interfaith um, groups, and they are looking to address a broad range of issues. And just last week, I had a meeting with um, the NAACP on race and religion and met with um, several um, leaders of various faith denominations. And I have a call into next week to someone else from another faith denomination. So we are looking at opportunities and ways that we can work together to address the issue. At this point, most of my interaction has been around education, them learning about our faith, some of the things that we're doing, how my office is structured, and what do I hope for the office and some of the work that has been done previously.
1: That's awesome. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Sharita Thomas, who is interim director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministry for the Archdiocese. We're talking about race relations and what the church is doing to work on that. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio.
3: news from the archdiocese of baltimore and around the world from the catholic review august 31st was a big day for thousands of children their parents and educators in the archdiocese of baltimore as students at dozens of catholic elementary schools and several high schools returned to classrooms for the first time since march 14th the coronavirus pandemic followed by the summer break meant that students had the option of benefiting from in-person instruction for the first time in 171 days. All Catholic schools in the Archdiocese that are open for in-person instruction are also offering remote learning options for students and families. Archbishop William E. Lori marked the occasion by visiting three elementary schools, starting with Immaculate Heart of Mary School in Bainesville, near Towson. 207 of its 285 students are learning on campus, with the others opting for remote learning. That element led to classrooms in the archdiocese being outfitted with AMX Ascendo Vibe camera soundbar units, technology which will enhance synchronous learning for students at home. Social distancing and the use of masks were in place, of course. Archbishop Lori spoke of the vigilance required of the archdiocese and its schools in response to the ongoing threat of COVID-19. Loria Mixon, the mother of a fifth grader at IHM school, pointed to the influence Catholic schools had on her career path as an educator and spoke for many when she said, I want my son to have the same experience. I know they have the best interests of the children and families at heart, but as a mother, you worry. Our coverage of Baltimore's new Auxiliary Bishop, meanwhile, continues with two more features on Bishop Bruce Lewandowski. One explores his upbringing in rural Ohio, where he won honors for his horse grooming skills. Another article looks at the impact he had on a Highland Town parish, which has a substantial Hispanic community. This is Paul McMullen of the Catholic Review. Subscribe to our e-newsletter by texting Media to 84576 or find all the latest news at catholicreview.org.
0: You are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM and 103.1 FM WMBT, the Guadalupe Radio Network.
1: We're back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Sherita Thomas, Director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministry for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Sherita, one of the things that's come up over the summer since the tragic death of George Floyd is the question of Black Lives Matter and and people coming up out to protests and holding signs that say Black Lives Matter or talking about Black Lives Matter on their social media posts. And then some people object because they say, well, Black Lives Matter, the organization, their tenets are not all in line with church teaching. Can you talk about that issue that saying Black Lives Matter versus the organization Black Lives Matter?
2: Yes, Chris, I'm so glad you asked me that question. Before I go directly to that question, I do want to say, our Holy Father and the U.S. Catholic bishops reminded us that racism is a sin and an evil that divides the human family. And I think that the words Black Lives Matter, unfortunately, has divided us. And for many, the words Black Lives Matter uh, means Black Lives Matters too. T-O-O, And then others see those same words, Black Lives Matter, and they think of it as only in the front of it, only Black Lives Matter. For me and for the church and for the racism work group, the words Black Lives Matter is really a rallying cry. And and the focus is that we proclaim Black Lives Matter in a way that we're saying it teaches the dignity and the human that Black lives are sacred and that we are promoting the sanctity of their lives and that we're committed to ending the violence against black lives and that we want to see black people live free from racism and injustice and we value their lives. So we have worked really hard to define what we mean. In no way are we, when we say black lives matters, are we giving a nod to the organization that bears the same name and does not align with our values. One of the recent, um, current members of the racism work group said something to me that was very interesting the other day. And he talked about the word liberty. And when you think about the word liberty, you can Google that or you can look at it um, in a grantee organization, my background of philanthropy. And there are plenty of organizations that talk about or use the word liberty in that name. And that may not align with your values. It may not align with what you think Liberty stands for and how you use it. So it's the same thing when we're talking about Black Lives Matter. A lot of people, the media, are saying what it means and what it defines. And for the majority of people, even though we're not monolithic, those words really align with our Catholic Church teaching about the dignity and humanity of Black lives and that they are sacred. So we are not highlighting organization, and um, we're not aligning our work with that body of work. It is really aligned with our values. And we are moving to the full realization of the promise of liberty, equality, and justice for all.
1: You and I have talked about this in the past, and I think you used an analogy about a house on fire. And how does Black Lives Matter relate to that?
2: Sure, absolutely. You got a good memory, Chris. So when we talked a couple of weeks ago, and I'll also talk about my, my two daughters. So when I first came to this and I was just so surprised that so many people had an issue with, with Black Lives Matter, but I wanted to listen and I wanted to learn. And again, it back to, you know, we have two ears. So someone shared with me the concerns of the organization. So what we talked about is that it's just like where I live in my community. If my neighbor's house on fire, when the fire department comes and the police and people that come to help, they're gonna go to that house. It doesn't mean my house is not important. It doesn't mean that they wouldn't protect me. But at that moment in time, that house is on fire. So at this time, we know that we are seeing that Black lives are being treated unfairly. And we can see, because of the the phone and the media, the impact of racial justice in a man lost his life. So he is the one that needed help the same way that that house needed help. No one would say to a firefighter, "You know what? You don't care about my house. Hey, come look over here. That's not the house that needs support." So it's in that same vein. And I, you know, the other day my daughters were riding their bike, and my youngest, one's ten, one's eleven, fell off her bike. And I was sitting on a porch. My husband was in the driveway, and he ran to my youngest daughter. He left my oldest daughter unattended. At no point in that, my mind, I thought. How could you leave my other daughter? You don't care about her? Absolutely, that's not the case. So he went to my daughter because she's the one that fell. She's the one that needed assistance. She was the one in pain. And she was the one um, at that time who was falling. So those are just some of the ways that how we look at um, this work. And that's my perception. I know there's a lot of people that probably have a lot of different um, perceptions of that. But at this time, I am of the mindset that Black Lives Matter too, or also, not only.
1: Yeah, your analogy with your husband and your your injured daughter uh, reminds me of the scriptural parable of the the shepherd and the lost sheep. It's not that he doesn't care about those other ninety nine sheep, but he's got to find the lost one, and that's that's his priority.
2: That's exactly right.
1: Good. What has this summer meant to blacks and black Catholics with the death of by police uh, of so many black people followed by people around the country stepping up and stepping out to protest what's that what's that like for you?
2: Uh, it's probably I would say mixed emotion me talking to a lot of people I would say um, particularly um, blacks and black Catholics um, most were really heartbroken to see it um, play out on the news over and over and over again. I mean, they just simply were just, heart was just broken. Um, But at the same time, it was also hopeful because I think for many, it was a sense of a reminder that this has happened. You know, we've heard many stories of, I have two daughters, I don't have sons, but I do worry about my husband. And you know that throughout, unfortunately, black families, there's been this conversation around When you're out and in the car and what you need to do to protect yourself so for a lot of people it was just like okay this is um, this is happening again and they felt the same way now as they did five years ago when baltimore was experiencing um the death of freddie gray this time it felt different as i felt that more of my friends And colleagues that were not black understood and for many of them it was an awakening and for many black people it was a renewal to fight for injustice. I think this moment really reflects the conclusive impact of various acts of injustice witnessed over time and these repeated acts have really led to the outcry that many are feeling the need to speak up and condemn such acts of brutal acts of violence and the impact that it's having on the Black community. I have been deeply touched by so many people and outpouring of all races, all ethnicities, and all faiths just really reaching out to me. And even people who have left the Catholic Church, all wanting to do more and push for equality and justice. It really has been a special moment of solidarity, which many people in the Black community have longed for, for decades.
1: As a mom with two daughters, how do you talk to your daughters about race relations in Baltimore, in Maryland, in the country? And do you hope for their future?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a really difficult um, conversation. Um, my, My youngest daughter is one of the reasons why I took the role when um, I was called and asked to consider, I was watching TV with my husband. I thought she was asleep. It was really late at night. We were talking about it. We were watching a coverage around George Floyd, and she she was up. You know, her. it's pandemic, epic fail. We do not have the best schedule now. And they're not, they're waking up late and they're going to bed late. And yeah. um, I just can't, you know, I'm trying to do the best that I can do. And so she was up and she's, you know, normally not up at 11 12 o'clock. And she came in my room and she saw I was on TV and my husband could not get the remote fast enough to change it. And she said, What happened? So I took her to her room and I said, A man um, died and. Um, it seems as he died because of the color of his skin. And, and she said to me, well, that's not right. I said, it's not right. And then she looked at me and said, well, what do you want to do about it? And I'm thinking, why would she think that I could do something about this? So the very next day, I got the call from the church. And then I realized, what am I going to do about it is what I conjured when I went to bed. And I talked to her and we prayed for him, his family, and for the world. And I thought, you know, what could I do? So I shared that to say it's a struggle for me. And I need all the prayer that I can get. But my daughters is why I do this work. And my dream is very similar. And I would use the exact same words as Martin Luther King used for his four little children. is that I want them to live in a world where they're not judged by the color of the skin, but the content of their character. And that sentence always spoke to me like countless other um, words of his and, and other leaders. But that's really just my hope for them and for the future. And I think education is critical. I believe that the majority of people are really good people and want to do the right thing. And I think a lot of us, all of us, are just unaware of, policies and practices and behaviors that really exclude people. And I think when we learn more, we can change that because I believe racism is a learned behavior that can be unlearned.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. We have been talking today with Sherita Thomas, Director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministries for the Archdiocese of Baltimore, talking about race relations, talking about what's going on with Black Catholics and our hope for the future. Thank you so much, Sherita, for being with us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: This is Chris Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you have been listening to Catholic Review Radio.
0: The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org.
1: Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.